Last week we talked about uh, authority, and we're going to kind of stay along those lines a little bit different, but um, we're going to start here in the 21st verse, but we talked about the authority that the believer has, and I think sometimes people don't know what they have, and if you don't know what you have, then you can't always walk in it. And you might accidentally at some point walk in it or experience it. But if you learn what you have, you can actually use it. When I get electronic devices like my phone, I don't uh, read the manual. I just find the things that work for me and use it. And, but I have other people who do. And I've been around them, who people who have the same phone. Now, I can work with the things I have. I can use the camera well. I can do some of the other stuff, you know, well. And, um, but I've been around other people who have the exact same phone, and they'll say, oh, well, you can, you know, you just do this. And I'm like, it has that? <laughs> Serious. Like, like some real cool things, too. And uh, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And it made me think, you know, because I've learned a few things that way with my phone. I, I, it's made me think, what do I really not know about that phone? And is there some other really cool stuff in there that I could be taking advantage of? But my ignorance of it, that doesn't mean I'm stupid or something. It just means I don't know something about that. And not knowing something about that can make me uh, not be able to put it into practice. Or if, if something happens, I'm like, what, what, what just occurred? You know? And I don't know how to repeat it or whatever. And I'm thinking something's wrong with my phone and maybe take it into the place. And they go, oh, well, no, you just did this. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was there. They're like, yeah, it's in, in the manual. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? I mean, maybe you're the person who reads the whole thing. And, and so looking in the Bible is super important because faith is the thing that will change your life. It is. Faith will change your life. If, if you will act in faith with your life, your, you know, in line with the Bible, your life can change. Things can literally change in your life. And the Bible said in Romans 10, 17, it said, Faith comes by hearing or when you hear and hearing by God's word. So faith, every time you hear, does come. Whenever you hear, you get faith. Now, you got to believe it, though, which is acting in line with it and putting it into practice. But without even hearing it, you, you just, you're blind. It would be like me with my cell phone. I might stumble across some things, or I've depended on what other people have said to be true instead of finding out if it's true for myself, which is really important because, you know, there can be people out there that are about themselves and may say things for their own profit, their own belief, or they could be wrong too when I'm talking Bible-wise. And so there's one way and one way only that faith comes, and it is through hearing the Word of God. Really, the Bible takes the place of Jesus in the earth. 
Now, I know he lives in us by his spirit, and I know, you know, we're, we can be very conscious of him and, and all these things, but the Bible takes his place down here. If we need to know what he's got to say, we go to the book, and if we're going to walk with the Lord, we're going to have to walk with his book, and that doesn't mean just under your arm. But you're going to have to walk with his book. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing his word. When you hear his word, faith comes. And so it's so important because just like, you know, a car that has certain things, you know, I remember when I got a new car a few years ago, one of my friends was in town and um, he said, what's that? I said, I don't know. He said, push it. So we pushed it, and he said, well, what's this? I said, I don't know. I mean, my radio's not even programmed in the car I have now. That's how much I listen to it. But, but he said, well, what's this? And uh, I said, well, I don't know. He said, well, give it a shot. So we did it and found out. I hadn't read anything. I hadn't had it that long, but it's important to know. And then he came to some of his own conclusions. He looked at the mirror you know, and the mirror was digital and it would tell you the direction you're going. You know what I'm talking about? It'll have like a W, but it looks more like a E upside down. He said, you're not looking so good today. So what are you talking about? He said, the mirror just said you're a five. <laughs> you know, just you're average right now. It was S, you know, but it looked like that. I mean, people can come to their own conclusions, you know, and um, you know, just, just that day it was just average. But the thing is, if you don't know, man, if I don't know, but you know what's so awesome? We can know. God gave us his book so we could know so that we could live the way we need to live and be pleasing and walk in what we're to walk in or what he would want us to walk in and experience and live out in this life. And so sometimes people think, well, things just happen if God wants them to be. And, and then they say, well, why has God not done that yet? And some of it is not even about what God is going to do. It's what are we going to believe and what are we going to walk in? Jesus many times put the onus on the people and said, if you can believe, do you believe? What do you want? Can you believe? And so we only can come to the conclusion of, I believe that when we read the Word. So 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and the 21st verse said, and he, which is God there, he, God. So when he's talking here, this is something God. For he, God, what? For he, God, made, did he make the earth? Yeah. But what else did he do? He made him, the him here is Jesus. God the Father made him the Son, Jesus, who knew no sin. When he lived on the earth, he never practiced sin. He never told a lie. He never told a little white lie. He, he only ever told the truth. He never, ever violated any moral code that God had put forth, not one single thing. Because, see, understand this, sin 
is really once a person sins or is born into the world and then they come to a certain age, they're spiritually dead as a result of sin. That is why there is bondage everywhere in the world. Because of sin that produced spiritual death, and now spiritual death has traveled through all of humanity because it started with one man and one woman, and it spread. And so every boy and girl is in the same boat. They're spiritually without life or eternal life. And so they're dead in their trespasses and sins. And sin can rule them if they will let it. But it is part of their nature. Sin is, is, is yucky. I don't know how to say it better. There's probably a lot of better ways. But, but, you know, if you touch something, you're like, yuck. It's gross. It's not right. It's unpleasing. It's unfulfilling. It produces bondage. It is a bondage to people. And it holds people captive. And he said, he made him who knew no sin, never practiced it, never participated in it. It had nothing in him. It had no place in him. I mean, he was as pure as you get in motive, in everything. And it said he made him sin who knew no sin. He knew no sin. He didn't experience it. He knew no sin. He made him to be sin for us on our behalf. So he became evilly affected, ill-affected. Jesus became sin and spiritual death, you could say. Sin produces death. And when we talk about death, we're not just talking about physical death. It's a nature in humanity. It is the absence of the life of God. It vacated, life vacated man or uh, mankind because of their sin. Because remember, the Bible said, in the day you do this, you will surely die, back in Genesis. And so notice, he made him to be sin for us, or on our account, that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. What does it mean to be right or righteous with God? We were dead, the Bible said, in our trespasses and sins. When a person is in this world, everybody without Christ is dead in trespasses and sins. They're separated from God. So Jesus became sin to get people out of that so that they could be back in right standing. God is pure, God is holy, God is just, God is right. He's never, he's not, there's no evil in him. And when a person uh, receives Christ, they beforehand were evil. They didn't have a standing with God. But then when they receive Christ because of what Christ did, they come back into right standing they're no longer spiritually dead, they become alive. And it's a gift. It's a gift. It's not something you work to get, it's something you receive. Turn to Ephesians now, 
the, the second chapter on our way to the verse that we want to get to, Galatians, Ephesians. So it was a gift, and you need to remember, it was a gift that made you right with God, that cleaned you up, that gave you life. It was a gift because of what Jesus did. He became separated from God. He became sin for us so we might be free from sin and be reunited with God by his work. And so notice this in Ephesians 2.8, and these are so crucial. It says, for by grace, in other words, it's what he did. It's his grace. It's what he paid for. It's what he bought. It's what he did. For by grace or his grace, you have been saved through faith. In other words, when you receive Christ, you receive that grace, you receive the work he, he did. What work did he do? He became sin on your behalf so that you could be free from a sinful nature and be put back in to good standing with God. Not by your actions of good deeds, but by your action of faith in receiving Christ. This is a reality and should be a living reality to every believer. And what happens is sometimes it's not a real reality to people. They've received Christ, but they have not been walking in the reality. And we need to understand Jesus said in John 4, he said, eternal life would be in you bubbling up, is how the New Living Translation says, once you receive. That word eternal life literally is two words, or everlasting. It means life that, or, you know, it just goes on, but it's life everlasting. It's a continual state of this life. And the life there, that word life, is Zoe. And you know, a lot of people now adopt that name. That's a cool name, Zoe. I'm going to name my daughter Zoe. You know, and there's movie stars with that name, and there's people with that name, but that name has significance. It's a Greek word, and it literally means life like God has it, or the life literally of God. Remember? God has a certain kind of life. The Bible says in some pl different places that in the Son is life. That same life that was in the Father was in the Son. Then the Bible also says he who has the Son has life or Zoe or God's life. What happens is he became sin, he became separated, he became all the things. What does sin do? What does spiritual death do? It makes men subject to every addiction, every bondage, everything. All bondage is e evil. I mean sin, addiction, anything. But Jesus became a substitute for the purpose of setting you free from any of it. 
And so here in Ephesians 2.8, it says, for, grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, what's not of yourself? That salvation, what you received. It is the gift of God. Here's an interesting verse. Not of works. You can't work to get this. Well, I'll just tell you I work so hard on this and I'm just working to get right with God. No, you should do things that are pleasing to Him, but the fact of the matter is this. You can't boast about this. It's a gift. You can boast in the sense of, man, I received God's great grace, but you can't boast in the sense of saying, I worked, I did this, it was my good deeds. Not at all. I think sometimes that's why people fall under, condemn, under condemnation many times, is because they feel like they've worked hard enough to obtain something, then when they do wrong, they're like, oh, I'm just not good enough anymore. Like their works made them good enough. In a way, that's them boasting and them losing their boast. And when they lose their boast, they lose their worth. And you understand, I'm just talking from a natural term. Your worth before God is based on what Jesus did. That's why we, if we're to boast, like Paul said, we're to boast in the Lord. Look what he did for me. He made me accepted in the beloved. That's a Bible verse. He made me accepted. See, if I'm thinking I make myself accepted, then Christ didn't have to die. He didn't have to die because you could do enough to make yourself accepted. Then why does he need to die? Why does he need to rise again from the dead if it's up to you to do good enough so you can get in to heaven, so you can get life, so you can get accepted, so you can get a prayer answered, so you can do this and get certain things from God? If it is based on you, why does he need to die because you could just do enough to get yourself into heaven to get eternal life you with me but you can't do enough to get life you can't do enough you cannot that's why he said lest anyone should boast it's a gift or you'd be able to boast. I mean, if I give you a, a gift for Christmas and it's something you really wanted, you, you couldn't say, I did this for myself. I got this for myself. All you could do is say, I got what I wanted. I got it. But you can't boast in yourself. And it's a free gift, and if you're saved, you have it. Now, understand this. Do we live right? Are we called to act a certain way? Sure we are. It's because of what has happened to us. 
and who we belong to that we are told to live a certain way. But that does not make me have eternal life. He said, or you could boast. I said, or you could boast. And he said, notice this, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, not your own, created in Christ Jesus for good works. If we say we have life, and if we say we've received this gift, then he said, then you've been recreated in a new way, into a new person spiritually. And then he said, you've been created to do certain acts. Well, that being said, that is why there should be good works, because I'm a new person. I have a new way of living because of this free gift that I've received. But what is this free gift? It's eternal life. It really is, if we don't know it, is deliverance from every bondage known to humanity. Meaning addiction, sinning, sickness, disease, it matters whatever mental thing, it matters not. Whatever plagues humanity came in the fall. So turn with me to Romans, the fifth chapter. So understand when you receive this gift of life, he said this would be in you, bubbling up, springing up out of the inside of you unto everlasting life or the quality or an ongoing life like God has it. Here's the thing. If you have this life in you, can it rise up in you and begin to influence you and affect you in every way? Can you release this life? Can you do something to put this life into action and really experience this life? God wants you to experience it. He didn't give it to you so that right when you first got saved, you were jubilant and went, woo. And after that, nothing else. No, this life is in you to be released, to be put into action to affect you spiritually, to affect you emotionally, to affect you spiritually, to affect you physically, to affect you in every aspect of life. How many people have worshipped God and started to sense that life? But is that the only place and only way you can experience the life? See, Jesus said, you know, in God, you know, there was life. But he talked about how him, in him there was life. And he lived a total different way. And he would speak to things and things would change. And... Even though he spoke, he said it was God or his life with me that did it, his spirit. 
So when we receive this life, this spiritual life, is there a way to release what we have? And is there something we have to release? And can we live in victory? Notice this in Romans 5. When you have the Son, you've got something. You know, we, we sang that song for years, you know, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. We sing songs about this life, the same life that Jesus had and having the Son and having life. What does that mean in real life? Can that really produce results? Can it affect your mentality? Can it affect your body? Can it bring you joy? Can it bring you to a place where you didn't know life could be so good? Notice this in verse 17 of the fifth chapter of Romans. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one. Notice for if by one, the one man's offense. And if you read the context, it's talking about when Adam initially sinned and violated God's law, death came. What is death? What death is he talking about? When you read the Bible, you need to understand this. Death is not always defined in the Bible as physical death. In other words, death in the Bible is not always you fall on the ground and that's it. Death in the Bible has to do with the nature of a man who does not have God. A man who uh, is dead, like the Bible said, in their trespasses and sins. And what happens with the person like that? is it makes them cower in life. It makes them no longer a master, but makes them ultimately a slave. And so he said, by this one man's offense, death reigned. When Adam and Eve sinned, they ran from God. Why did they run from God? There was something in them that wasn't good. They were practicing something that wasn't appropriate. But they had lost the life that they once had. They started becoming self-conscious. And they became sin-conscious. And they started running from God. Were they fulfilled more after they sinned? Or were they more fulfilled before they sinned? it would seem that they were more fulfilled before. Because how many people after they get saved say, I didn't know this could be like this. And I'm finally fulfilled. Why do they say that? Because they were dead in their trespasses and sins and they now have experienced and are beginning to walk in life. He said, for if by one man's offense death reigned, 
spiritual death reigned through the one. Where did the death reign? In the spirits of mankind. And what it is, it was kind of like, you know, taking a, a cover off something like a deep pit and anything near it can just come in now. When you have spiritual death, you have a pit inside of you that things just seem to collapse into. In other words, internally, there has been a collapse. There has been a vacancy. When people are not saved, there is a vacancy inside them. And if there is a vacancy, things can come in there. And, and when it gets in there, people are not fulfilled. People are not satisfied. And the more they do, because there's such a pit in there called spiritual death, they'll never be satisfied. The only thing that can fix that and fill that is life. And then, because it gets filled with life, you can repel and push off the things of death that would try to take hold of your life. If sin tries to come, you can resist it. If different things try to come in your life, you can resist it. Why? You're not empty anymore. You have life. You have good standing with God. Notice this here. For if by one man's offense death reigned, spiritual death, through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace. And when do you receive that abundance of grace? When you get saved. If you'll walk humble before the Lord, you can partake of more grace. And it said, receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. We've looked at two of those, those two things. The gift of righteousness and that grace. What he did, both of them are things he did. They're both something you receive. They're both something you obtain when you get saved. Your whole inward nature changes when you receive the Lord. Here's what people need to understand. That inward man, in order for you to be victorious in life, has to be allowed to rule you. That new nature has to be allowed to rule through you. Let me say that again. That life in you has to be allowed to dominate you and your actions. If you let your own physical actions and your own way of life control you, though you have life, you end up locking it away. You ever been prompted to do something by the Lord? Do it. Why? Because that life is trying to rule. His life in you is trying to rule through you. He's trying to rule through the inside of you and have victory in your life. You with me? Notice this. If you receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you will reign, means rule in life, in life, or in his life and in this life, through the one, Jesus Christ. 
How are you going to reign in this life? Through Jesus. How are you going to reign? You're going to receive him. Somebody said, but I've received him and I'm not reigning. If you will walk with him, the life and the ability that you need to reign is in you and will be able to get out of you. Here's what happens. Sometimes people live their life so natural, even after they give their life to the Lord, they have trouble connecting to that life that's in them. Why? Because they get deceived. You say, well, how do they get deceived? They get deceived by their body, by their feelings. They're so used to, well, if it feels like this, and if, it, and if something doesn't feel or look a certain way, then it can't be true. Because they're walking so far in the natural, they're not believing they have life that overcame that. They maybe don't believe they have love that's greater than the hate that's in the world, but they do. But they're so used to how they feel, and when their feelings go, Argh. They go, well, i got to act like that. But no, you have received abundance of grace. But if you walk too far in the natural and practice all those things, you'll be deceived. Not by the devil, by your own feelings. In the Old Testament, one of the only people that really talks about being deceived when he prayed, you know, when he asked, he said, he, 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 was going to see if this was his son, and he felt out and felt, and because his eyes were getting dim, he was real old, and, and he touched him, and he said, it feels like him, but doesn't sound like him, and he said, yeah, it's me, and he was deceived because he went by how he felt, and many times people think, well, I've received the Lord, but maybe I don't have really that life. You do, but if you walk according to how you feel all the time, you're going to be deceived, And then that life won't be able to rule you, though you've got it. So if we would learn to just not live by what we feel, but learn to live by what he said we have, and what if I begin to declare, or you begin to declare in your own life, I have the Son, I have life. Well, what is the life that you have? You have Zoe, eternal life. You have the life that made Jesus a master on the earth. You have the life that was in Adam and Eve until they sinned, and they were masters. And we can rule and reign and connect and let that life out. Or if we live according to how we feel and our own compulsions, it's there, but it can be just locked away. So what would the answer be to begin to act independent of what I feel and just to go solely on what he said? I have life. I believe I have life. If you will come to that place because you're saved, you'll notice the life will just rise up in you. You'll notice that when you speak words because you're thinking in terms of I have this life and he has given me the ability to rule and reign and you begin to think like that, you'll notice your words will become more powerful. And words are the things that are going to give you the victory in life.
but they're going to be based on what he bought, what he paid for, what he did. And do you believe it or are you just waiting to see it? Do you have a source that has already been tested, that's already been tried, that's already been lived out, that conquered every element? Do you have that same thing in you? And the answer to that is yes, you do. If you've received Christ, you do have that life. And it's been tested. Jesus lived that way. He had that life. He died so other people could have it. It's been tested. It's been proven. But he didn't live for himself. He lived for God. And there is a way to release that life. If you will start believing it's in you and start declaring it rises up because you believe it's in you, his life will begin to rise up. You could be 20 years old in the Lord, so to speak, or got saved 20 years ago and not really experienced the life of God that would heal, that would deliver, that could cause you to walk in freedom. And it maybe hasn't risen up in a long time, and it may not be ruling through you and dominating through you. It doesn't matter. It can. I said it can. But what happens is people start thinking, well, do I have that much power? Well, it's not you. You can't boast of yourself. It's his life. It's his power in you. And yes, you do. It's the Jesus life. It's God's eternal life. It comes through the Son. And you can get that life active in you. Because, I mean, think of this verse. Those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will get rained on. No, they'll reign. It literally is the word, you know, rule in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Can you do something purposeful today to get that life active in you? One, you could think, I've got it. Two, you can start saying, just like, you know, the Bible said, it rises up out of me. When you receive the Lord, and that life will change you. It can make you walk free and give you the strength to walk free from anything that binds you. And that life in you can rise up and rule. But what happens is, like I said, people can start walking so far in the natural, they stop partaking of the divine life. How do they do that? They set their mind on the natural and think, well, this problem's been here forever. This thing's so big. I don't even know if, if this can change. Uh, it's just so strong. Maybe I need more faith. Maybe you're focusing on the wrong thing. Maybe the Bible is right when it said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And when he talks about looking, he's talking about meditating, deeply thinking on him. Why? Because when you do that, you recognize this problem is actually small in the light of how big God is in me. And God's life in me is the same life that was in Jesus when he was praying and getting results and living a certain way. But isn't it true when problems come, what, what is one of the main things that happens? That problem wants you to give it all of your focus and attention. And what happens when you give yourself 
or your attention to it like it wants, it'll fill, fill you with intimidation, fear, I mean remorse, I mean any kind of thing. It'll take hope away. It'll rob you from confidence in God. But you still got the life of God. You've got the source. So you got to be purposeful and recognize you've got this. You've got what you need when you have Jesus. You don't need anything else. Now, I understand you can be filled with the Spirit and things like that. You have the Spirit, but you can be filled to overflowing. But I'm talking when you have Him, you've got life. You've got the source of what you need. And if you'll start getting your attention on it, believing it, and declaring it, you can speak words. Those words will become more powerful. I said those words will become more powerful for you. And so what do you do after? Boast. I'm so powerful. No, no, you don't. Because you think about it. What you do if you start boasting is now your attention is no longer on the Lord. It's now on you. So we're talking about not putting our focus on the problem, but looking at what we have and allowing it to come forth but don't start thinking I'm all sufficient. I'm, you know, like people have motor homes and stuff like that, and they're like, this is self-contained. You don't need anything but this. Yeah, well, you're not self-contained. The only reason you are, like a submarine, you know, those nuclear ones, they just go and go and go and go and go. It's because of the source in them. We have an everlasting source. We have God living in us. And his life in us, if we would learn how to tap into it, we would rule and reign in every situation in life. But the problem is, there's just so much, and sometimes people haven't really set themselves to think on it and to get that life coming out. You know why it's so prevalent in young believers? Because they'll tell people all the time, I'm born again. I got eternal life. They're doing what we should continue to do. I've got eternal life. You know, when I gave my life to the Lord, I got life. I got saved. I got changed. And you know what that does? <clears throat> it not only witnesses to somebody else, it releases what's already in them. And it rises up and begins to dominate them. When was the last time you told somebody you were saved? When was the last time you told somebody you have eternal life? Don't condemn yourself. Maybe you should talk to yourself. Remind yourself, dude or dudette, you have life in you from God. And it rises up and it's bigger than anything you're facing right now. And you get that life going, it won't be long until you'll be telling somebody else. I got life. It won't be long until you, your testimony will no longer be private, but be public. 